Adult content intended for an adult audience only. Content of stories is purely fiction and not intended to be used for anything but enjoyment for those who enjoy these topics and situations. If you don't agree with the themes and the tags, please do not listen to the story. All characters engaging in sexual relationships or activities are 18 years old or older. Contains explicit words, thoughts, and ideas. This story was found on a free website and brought to audio form here. I did not write and take no credit for this story. Please visit the link above to further support this writer. Morgan's Genie Part 2 by Bashfully Shameless Chapter 04 Two days later Baghdad, Iraq. You see? The city is getting better, Hassan said coming out of the office with a big smile. You got the job? Ranin gasped hopefully. I got the job, he announced, and accepted his sister's hug with pride and gratitude. Oh, I thought I was done for when I saw that they were interviewing five other people today. He released her and gestured down the street, then took her hand as he walked with her. There was a market down just one corner, reopened after months of inactivity. Traffic on the street had steadily increased and was almost approaching something like normalcy. I told you they would want you. If they hire someone too smart, they will have to pay more. Ranine grinned mischievously, earning a scowl from her brother, but then a laugh. They must have hired the man who hired me with the same ethic in mind, Hassan said in a noticeably quieter tone. They offered to pay even more than I had hoped. That's wonderful, Ranin exclaimed. She tugged at his arm and pointed down the market street. You can buy me a new book, Hassan sighed. She had always been like this with him. His good fortune was hers, and really, he couldn't fault her for it. But sooner or later his parents really needed to find her a good man and marry her off. Her brother shrugged and gestured for her to lead the way. Ranin wove through the customers and vendor stalls, tugging Hassan along by the hand. It was good to be out in the city again. She was thinking of better days, when she was just a girl and there had not yet been war, when she promptly found herself faced with a tall white man in fatigue pants and a black t-shirt. He looked like an American soldier, but his hair was too long. She knew this man. Hello, Ranin, the man said, tilting his head in something like a bow. Ranin? Who is this? Her brother asked, stiffening in alarm. His gamble in reporting the crimes of a few American soldiers might have worked out for the best, but the experience hadn't left him trusting of all Americans. He would have had more trust in them had there never been need to report anything. This is, this is Morgan's friend, Ranin said hesitantly. I am, the man nodded, still smiling. His demeanor was unthreatening. His voice was confident but gentle. He didn't even seem to have a weapon, which was very, very strange for an American soldier. They all had weapons and helmets and body armor. This man had a t-shirt and a duffel bag. Please call me Thomas, he said. Hello, Thomas, Hassan said warily. Renin, Morgan asked me to come find you to tell you that she is leaving sooner than she expected. His Arabic was flawless. Oh, is everything all right? Things are fine. She is being taken to a hospital in Germany. Her legs need to heal, and so they will send her there before she goes home to America. Ranin smiled a bit sadly. 
I am sorry I don't get to see her before she goes. Will you tell her that I am very grateful, and that I pray for her? I will. She wanted me to give this to you, he said, holding out the duffel bag. It holds a few things that she does not need to take home. She knows that things are still tough in this city, and she wants you and your family to be well. Oh, thank you, Ranine said, accepting the bag curiously. There is a phone in there that has her phone number. If you ever want to talk to her, for anything, just call. Hassan's brow furrowed as he listened. Morgan has been very thoughtful. Ranine was wronged. Thomas shrugged. Terribly. Morgan only wishes that she could do more. He paused, and then said with a conspiratorial wink, You might want to be careful who you show. Hassan turned to Ranine as she opened the bag. His sister's mouth fell open as she looked inside. She promptly wrapped it shut again, her eyes nearly popping out of her head as she looked up in shock. Thomas was gone. There was just the market and the customers. What's in it? Hassan asked, reaching for the bag to take a peek inside. Ranin just stared at him incredulously as he looked. Her brother had much the same reaction. They fought back grins as Ranin zipped the bag shut and held it tight. It would have drawn too much attention to react as they felt. The street was becoming awfully crowded. I think you can afford your own books today, Hassan suggested breathlessly. Yes, I think I can, Ranin nodded. Or maybe your own bookstore. Bomber! Bomber! Someone yelled. Ranin and Hassan looked up, frozen in shock as the crowd around them began to panic. A young man, no older than Ranin, came running straight for them with a wild and desperate look in his eyes. His coat was too big for this weather and too bulky for his size. The youth yelled something, but neither brother nor sister heard exactly what. He looked at nothing in particular as he ran for the closest clutch of people nearby, which included the siblings. He pulled out a device attached by wires to something inside his coat. Something flew through the air between Ranin and Hassan, silvery and gleaming, right at the bomber. The dagger struck him squarely in the center of his chest. Impossibly, the impact lifted the bomber off his feet to send him flying backward through the air as if hit by a car. His body tumbled to the ground, rolling and finally coming to rest underneath an old truck. Everyone threw themselves behind cover the bomb exploded. Renin jerked Hassan back behind racks of dates. It was all she could find in the split second she had to think it should have been a bigger blast. The truck was lifted into the air, but only by a few inches. It seemed to suffer the worst of the explosion, too, for little in the way of shrapnel, or flame erupted out to the sides. There was a loud boom, and smoke, and screams of panic, but none of pain. No one was close enough to the bomb to be hurt. No harm done at all, save to he who intended it.as Ranine picked herself up off the street. She clutched the duffel bag close and looked around. She knew she would not see Thomas thought he would go home with Morgan. She knew that, somehow. But he had already done more than enough. Could be a month, could be two. The doctors figure two, but I think I'm getting better faster than that, Morgan said into the phone with a bit of a grin. No one was looking in at her room. She lifted her legs up off the bed and stretched them in circles as if pedaling a bicycle, then promptly settled them back down like a good little invalid before anyone came by. Well, just take it easy and don't push yourself, 
You don't want to end up like I did when I hurt my back, her father said. That was the worst year for all of us. I know, Dad, she smiled gently. Look, at best they're gonna have me on light duty. Soon as I'm out of the hospital, I'm gonna be behind a desk at Fort Lewis until the clock runs out. I can't tell you how glad I am that you're stationed so close by. It'll be good to have you home. Yeah, Morgan huffed emphatically. Be good to be home. She paused. She always paused before she asked. By now, he had to know what was coming by the momentary silence. How's mom? She heard him sigh. That wasn't good. Morgan was wincing before he even spoke. She's back in rehab. Ah, man, Jan showed up drunk on my doorstep about a week ago Friday night. Wanted to patch things up, wanted to tell me what a mess she'd made of things, wanted a hundred bucks. Was she driving like that? No, her new boyfriend or whatever was driving, and he was out sitting in her car. He sounded tired. The subject always left him sounding tired. Anyway, Lynn was staying over here. She was out of the house, thank God, but some of her stuff was in the living room. Jan saw it and went off, started throwing things, breaking stuff, and finally I just said the hell with it and called the cops. This was a week ago Friday. Why didn't you tell me before now? Morgan's shoulders sank. She wasn't mad so much as disappointed, and not with her father. At first I was still waiting for news so I could tell you how it played out. I mean it's not like you can do anything about it out there but worry. And then when I talked to you last on the phone, you were just so busy. This is the first time I've really had a chance. Morgan grumbled a bit, but she could see his point. So how'd it play out? Cops showed up. They were gonna cite her for drunk and disorderly or something, hell, I dunno. But then they checked out her boyfriend and one thing led to another, and next thing you know, they're carting him off for all the meth in his pockets. And Jan, well, she freaked out, and they cuffed her and put her in the car, and then last Thursday she called me to say she was sorry she was such an ass, and she broke up with Ronnie or whoever the hell he was and the judge was letting her go back to rehab. Oh God. She's doing meth now? Nah. She wasn't that stupid. Says she didn't know he was into that. Says it was just the booze. But still, pretty dumb stuff. I don't even know why you still talk to her at all, Dad. Fifteen years. Lot of good times with the bad. She's a good person underneath all the booze and bullshit. Least she's not doing coke anymore. I think. I was hoping she hit rock bottom for real last time, but I guess not and she's your mother. I imagine this didn't make a good impression on Lynn. Oh, I told her when we started seeing each other that I was still in contact with my ex and that she was crazy. Lynn was pretty annoyed by the whole thing, but she's okay. Just didn't want me giving her any money. Neither do I. Dad, it's not the money, it's Dash. I know, Han. I know. I'm done. I've been done for years. Okay. You might want to try to call her, though. She gave me the info to get hold of her in case you wanted to talk to her. I will. Morgan grumbled. Just don't know when. Maybe when I get to Germany. You're gonna call me when you get there, right? If you want me to? I do. The minute you're on the ground in a friendly country. Okay. Soon as I can. I mean it. I worry about you, Han. We all do. I know. I'm gonna be okay, Dad. 
she said, and as if on cue, Thomas entered. He knew immediately to stay silent as he took his seat. She had warned him that she might be on the phone, and what that meant. Not for the first time, he confessed to be far more in awe of the modern world than he was of his own magic. Looking at him, she couldn't help but smile again. I think I'm going to be okay from here on out. So when is it you're out altogether? March? If I take all my leave at the end, yeah? You looking at getting into school right away? I am. I'll worry more about that when I'm in Germany, but yeah. Let me know if I can do anything to help. Thought of a major yet? Nope. Morgan frowned, staring at her feet. I still don't really know what I want to do. Well, get the hell out of Iraq and we'll figure it out then. Yeah. No shit. I'm proud of you, Morgan. It hung there on the line, surprisingly every bit as meaningful to her as when Colonel Wallace had said as much. Then again, maybe it wasn't so surprising after all. For all his faults and failings, her father had never given up on her. I'm really proud of you. I love you, Dad. Love you, too. I gotta get going, though, she said. People waiting to talk to me. Okay. Call me when you're in Germany. I don't care what time it is. Wake me up, okay? Will do. Love you, Dad. Talk to you later. She hung up and laid the phone beside her bed. Your father is well? He's doing all right. Morgan shrugged. My mom's a wreck, though. Mom. Your mother? What's wrong? Lots. More than I want to talk about right now. She frowned. Is Ranine okay? She is well. Her brother found work today and seemed very pleased with the arrangement. I gave her the bag and protected them. Shortly after we spoke, a man attacked the marketplace with one of those bombs you spoke of strapped to himself. Oh my God! Morgan blinked. Was anyone hurt? Only the man with the bomb. As I said, I protected them. He paused. It is good that you showed me some of those movies yesterday, otherwise I would not have known to make sure that the fire was kept to a minimum when it burst. Morgan let out a relieved breath. Thank you, she said. Good timing being there for that. Indeed. I followed them home to ensure that they were safe. No other danger presented itself. He paused. They both looked very pleased with all of that paper money in the bag. He added wryly. I still don't see why you didn't want to leave them with hard coin, but I guess you would know best. I can't wait to get out of this fucking country. If I could make time pass more quickly, I certainly would. I could help make it a more pleasant wait. He offered slyly. Morgan's lips twitched in a grin, but she shook her head. No. Nothing puts me out of the mood like talking about my mom. Sorry. Maybe later, when my mind's off of it. Certainly. He nodded in understanding. Is there anything else I might do for you? His mistress nodded and grinned evilly. His shoulders dropped, but he nodded obediently. I will go see what other Discovery or History Channel DVDs they have in the recreation room. It's for your own good. Morgan teased as he rose. I thought you wanted to learn all of this. I did until we watched the one about the Crusades. I don't believe I am yet ready to spew forth the proper amount of vitriol and bile to give an appropriate reaction. The next day C-17 Globemaster I somewhere over Iraq she had the top bunk, 
stacked three high without anyone below her. She considered it a lucky break. Morgan glanced around the open cargo bay of the plane, where soldiers and marines were laid out sometimes two or three high along the bulkheads. Some had simple conditions, sports injuries, common illnesses just bad enough to require medevac. Others weren't so fortunate. Morgan figured she'd gotten a good bunk space, but then, she was much luckier on quite a few counts. You all set there? The crew chief asked as he came by. He was an older guy, dressed in the standard tan flight suit. He had a casual air, but Morgan could tell that he was checking her straps and her gear. He had reason to be brief with her. She didn't need a lot of help. No drip, no electronic monitoring. No head trauma. I'm all good, sergeant. Morgan nodded. She had a knapsack within reach on the rack below hers, stuffed with things to read, her headphones and a couple of snacks. They weren't long out of Kuwait. With no windows and limited mobility, it was bound to be a dull trip to Ramstein. All good. You need to go hit the head, just wave your hand and get our attention. We'll help you get down and get around. Morgan smirked. I was wondering about that. The crew chief grinned back. This is where I make a highly inappropriate joke and get myself in a lot of trouble. That's all right. I'll just forget whatever it was you said because of my terrible emotional trauma. He rapped on the side of her bunk. That's the spirit. Play that card for all it's worth. With that, he moved on to the next stack of bunks. Morgan was about to turn away when the crew chief's spot was taken up by a wide-eyed and amazed Thomas. Morgan, it's wonderful, he hissed. You can see for so many miles. I can't even guess how many. You sure that nobody's gonna see me talking to you? Thomas paused. He looked around the bay of the plane for a moment, waved his hands, and then turned back to her. We'll be totally ignored. We are practically invisible to them. Morgan, this is the most amazing thing I've ever experienced. It's better when you're on a civilian plane. She shrugged. You usually get your own window. And those men in the cockpit, was it? So many buttons and, and switches, lights and knobs. She suggested. You are making another movie reference. I am. Her genie blew it off and instead looked around the bay in wonder. We're actually flying, Thomas said in amazement. He inhaled deeply. The air smells so strange up here. That's cause it's all pressurized. What does that mean? His excitement hadn't abetted. Are there videos about it? You goon. Morgan laughed. I didn't want to spoil the surprises for you. I figured you'd think it was pretty neat. Yes. There are tons of videos and books about flying. Sure we'll have time to get you all caught up once we're in Germany. In six hours. Morgan, when I left Normandy for the Holy Land, the journey took many months. I thought before that it was incredible how much faster the cars and trucks are than horses, but this, this is wonderful. You saying you couldn't conjure up a magic carpet and fly us there even faster? He paused. He hadn't really given it much thought. I think perhaps I could. He blinked. I don't really know. But certainly not everyone has magic. Speaking of, you already check on everyone on the plane here? Anything you can do to help them without it looking suspicious? Thomas waved a dismissive hand. Already done, most even before we took to the air. 
As you say, I can't fix everything, but all will improve to some extra degree. Anyway, is it common for people to fly like this now? Everyone here seems so casual about this. Well, I told you before, my country's the most powerful on earth. Ever. She shrugged. It's not strange for people to fly. Pretty much every country has planes. You can fly all over the world. But it's expensive, and not everyone can afford it. Plenty of people never get on a plane in their lives. I look forward to seeing your country. Thomas nodded. Yeah, Morgan said with a softer tone. Yeah, me too. His head tilted curiously. What's wrong? Silence. She wasn't looking at him anymore, just staring off into space somewhere toward the overhead. Thomas waited, gently brushing his fingers through her hair. I don't know what I want to do, she admitted. What do you mean? When I get home. I'm gonna get home and get out of the army, and I don't know what I'm gonna do. I mean with my life. You said you wanted to go to school. University, Thomas reminded her, as if that were enough. The notion had seemed fine to him, but then, he was impressed by how educated Morgan, and everyone around her, already was. Were it not for his magic, he wouldn't even yet know how to read. She shook her head. No, you go to university to learn to do something. Well, okay, ideally you're supposed to go just to learn and become a smarter person, but after college you get a career. A job you pursue for life. And I don't know what I want to do. You need not do anything. Thomas smiled gently. Nothing you don't want. Morgan glanced up at him and offered a small, thankful smile in return. I know, she said. I know. I've got you. But that's, I mean I'm gonna be perfectly happy to let you spoil me rotten in every way. But health and wealth aside, I still need to do something with my life. Well, what does your father do? Oh, hell no. Not that. My father was a fisherman. Months at sea, out in the cold? Fuck that noise. I respect the hell out of him, but no. Not that. Thomas thought to ask about her mother. It stood to reason that in this age it wasn't odd for women to have their own professions. He'd seen so many working women already. The subject of Morgan's mother seemed likely to lower her spirits, though. You don't want to do work like you have done in the army. He supposed. I don't think so, no, Morgan said. Maybe, but I dunno. It's a lot to think about. I'm afraid there's only so much advice I might offer. Thomas shrugged. I'm not familiar enough with the world as it is now. Guess not. She nodded. She glanced up again. Still, you're really nice to talk to. And to have around. There was a long pause. I'm really glad you're here with me. As am I. Intimate as they had been already, Morgan still found herself a bit overwhelmed by his affection. He was attentive and loyal without smothering her. When he looked at her like that, as if she were the only woman on the planet, Morgan couldn't help but blush inside and glance away. She could initiate whatever she wanted, with something as subtle as a come-hither gaze or as blunt as direct demands. Yet when he looked at her with those eyes and that strong, confident smile, she found herself feeling quite shy. She had worried, at first, that he would obsess about her. The whole, command me, mistress. It had been a touch unsettling. But he was soon dazzled by video players, cars, and phones. 
He was eager to get caught up with the world, even understanding that doing so would take him a lifetime. And he took an interest in the lives of others. His interest and affection had some perspective, at least. The thought that filled her with butterflies wasn't that he was her genie to command at her whim, but rather that the look in his eyes and the sound in his voice were both entirely genuine. Um, anyway, she mumbled, glancing at him, then away, then back and forth again. Lot to think about, but like I said, it's a six-hour flight. Okay, only a six-hour flight. She corrected, smirking at him. If you want to, um, go look around out the windows or whatever again, I'm fine. I have your leave, mistress? He asked. She chuckled. He was playing. You do. Then, if I am to be trusted with my own discretion. She gasped softly as his lips descended onto the side of her neck. A hand trailed up her leg, while the other, wrapped around the top of her head, stroked her cheek. Oh, she sighed softly. That's really nice. You did say something about spoiling you rotten, he murmured beside her ear. The hand that roamed over her legs and then her belly touched her as if there was nothing between them. She felt skin and warmth instead of mere cloth and pressure. Her body responded, tensing and shifting languidly under his touch. Morgan's face turned slightly, inviting the deep kiss that was soon on her lips. As their tongues slid together, filling her with wonder, Thomas unbuckled the latches on the straps securing her to the bed. They fell away on their own dot Morgan's hand was in Thomas's hair, holding him close as the kiss went on and on. He smelled so good, tasted so wonderful. It was utterly unfair to have something this good all to herself, but she didn't think for a moment about letting him go. It wasn't until the kiss finally broke that she gave any thought at all to the rest of the world. Seems a little weird, she whispered. Doing this in a plane full of people. What people? Thomas asked. She glanced past his shoulder at the opposite bulkhead, where the Marine was reading a Maxim magazine and the injured airman above him had been playing with an iPod. Only they were gone. Is that an illusion? She asked. I thought you might like the sense of privacy, he said gently. As much for your own sake as for theirs. They will be even less aware of us as you are of them. They'll see you napping soundly, nothing more. He kissed her again. She accepted it eagerly, surprised at how much she wanted this. Her next thought was that she was surprised she hadn't thought about spending at least some of the flight like this in the first place. His free hand roamed over her. She felt naked underneath his touch, felt vulnerable as he stood over her and kissed her. Eventually she didn't feel anything at all other than her increasingly more comfortable bunk and her genie's touch. When their kiss finally broke, she glanced at herself and realized she was nude. His lips fell from her mouth to her neck again, and then to her collarbone. The arm that cradled her head slipped away, his hands now tracing over her arms and her sides. This still an illusion, she breathed. What fun would it be if you knew for sure? She felt him grin against her breast. There was a reply on her tongue, but it died there as his lips teased around one nipple and then lovingly took it in. She gasped, feeling his tongue swirl in soft circles around its hardness. Morgan hadn't been so sensitive there before him. There was a lot about her that was different before he came along. The next rack of bunks past her feet was entirely empty. That was no illusion. It was empty when she came on. It was a good thing, 
because there was nothing odd about Thomas clambering up with utterly unrealistic grace to lie partly on Morgan's bunk, partly on the next one over, and partly suspended between both. Realization flashed through her mind. He hadn't done this yet. She wasn't even sure he would, but his trail of kisses over her hips and along her thighs certainly foreshadowed his intentions. Thomas slipped a hand over her inner thigh, then mirrored the touch at the other, encouraging her to spread her legs for him. She did. Her hands slipped into his hair again as her thighs parted, inviting him in. Morgan was wet and needful and wanted him to know it. She felt his breath before his kiss, warm and tender, slowly fell against one leg just short of her lips, lingering, and then teasingly against the other. Morgan let him tease. She wanted to savor this. Her body was at once relaxed in luxury and alive with electricity, as his first gentle lick brushed along her lips. Morgan stole a glance at him, looking between the valleys of her breasts and then between her legs, seeing his eyes look back. His tongue descended again, out of her sight but now much more intently than before. Her eyes fell shut at the sensation. Her hands stayed light against his head. She wanted to encourage him without guiding him. A small part of her wanted to just pull him in and make him devour her, but he clearly knew what he was doing. His tongue parted her lips and probed lovingly and made it pointless to think about much of anything else. His focus rose and fell along the full length of her sex, bottom to top and deep within. Morgan lay back and whimpered in appreciation as his kiss brushed against her clit, once and then again. She felt wet fingers enter her. She gave herself up to him completely, moaning out loud in surrender. The one hand coaxed her to greater pleasure fingers finding even more sensitive spots within her and stroking them expertly, while Morgan felt the other ones slide up her leg and her belly to take a spot on her breast. She encouraged it, sliding her right hand up his outstretched arm to hold tightly over his. His soft, but relentless tongue and beckoning fingers left her panting. She lingered there, happily drifting in bliss, for a long time dot a very long time. There was no move or moment that put her past the point of no return. She eventually realized, belatedly, that she was beyond that point, and gradually her body tensed and trembled under him. Orgasm came with a long and unmistakable build. She finally came, spasming joyously and uncontrollably for her lover, and that went on and on, too. Bursts of light and color against her tightly shut eyelids dazzled her in time with her body's every eruption, one after the other. Thomas brought her down as gently and tenderly as he had begun. Her head swam with pleasure as she roused herself to look down at him. There was some small amount of pride in those eyes that hovered just over her pussy. She couldn't blame him. Can you, can you do that again? She asked. I'd love to, he said softly against her wet lips. We've only got four more hours. She held out until well into the third hour, but eventually she couldn't resist. Morgan beckoned to her man hands tugging at his shoulders and neck, coaxing him to lie against her where she could kiss him. He was perfectly warm in this, too. Comforting, confident, masculine. She had expected to taste herself on him, and when she didn't, she could only grin into his kiss. Then she lay back, slowly catching her breath. He waited, tracing his fingers across her body to relieve her of sweat and fatigue. Four hours of tensing and spasming muscles had left her gloriously worn out. Morgan saw the look in his eye and grinned in spite of herself. 
She had spent so much of the fight coming for this man, and yet she still felt shy. Why do you look away like that? he asked. Like what? She looked back at him, and then glanced away yet again. Like you're embarrassed for some reason, he pressed quietly. Does it bother you when I look at you? No. No. She got a hold of herself, forcing her eyes to look in his. I love the way you look at me. Then why do you look away? She shrugged, which had the effect of only cuddling her up to him more. Guess I'm just not used to it. I might never get used to it. Well, if you're going to continually look away from me, I'll have to stop. Don't you dare, she muttered. There was a long silence as he waited for her to explain, and finally she relented. You look at me like I'm the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. You are. Oh, bullshit. I like it, but come on. Seriously? I don't understand. You're very beautiful. No, I'm passingly pretty, Morgan sighed. I'm healthy. I'm in pretty decent shape. And maybe I clean up well, but I'm not. Thomas frowned at her, not without humor. I suppose it should be comforting that I've finally found at least one thing that hasn't changed over the centuries. Women are still capable of convincing themselves they aren't as pretty as they are. It was Morgan's turn to frown. She nudged against him as she grumbled, then looked around the plane. Hey, she said, bring us back to reality a bit. Her clothing returned. Her fellow passengers faded into view. Thomas was still there, but as usual no one noticed him. Morgan looked off to her side. The marine in the middle bunk had dozed off, his magazine on his chest. Grab me that? Morgan asked, pointing to it. Thomas slipped off of her bunk and retrieved the magazine, handing it to her. Morgan took one look at the Maxim cover girl and pointed to it. She's gorgeous, his mistress said. She flipped through the pages, pointing to model after model. Pretty. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Okay, that chick just looks like trash. Pretty. Beautiful. I mean, I'm not saying that you have to dress like this to be attractive, because this magazine is ridiculous. It plays to fantasies, not real behavior. And these photos have had a lot of help. But do you see their faces? Those bodies? Do you get what I'm saying? He paid attention thoughtfully. The women were unarguably lovely, but also dangerously skinny. A tough winter would certainly end every one of them. To compare them to Morgan seemed like nitpicking, as she was hardly heavyset or lacking in curves herself. I mean, what would you say is beautiful? Morgan asked. And don't say me. I mean in the abstract. In general. How would you describe a beautiful woman? His mouth opened, but then closed again. He hadn't given it definitive thought in some time. He looked at the magazine and pondered. Good health. Smooth, clean skin. A body that is slim but not skin and bones. He shrugged. I suppose I would say that a narrow waist is attractive. Men might argue how curved a woman should be, but... Again, he shrugged. Morgan yawned. Well, whatever. I guess it's nice to have you look at me like that. It really is. I'm not complaining at all. It's just that you asked? I know I'm not a hag, but I'm not the woman that all the guys flock around at parties either. She held the magazine back to him. Wow. I'm more tired than I realized. You wore me out. 
She smiled appreciatively. I think I need a nap. He leaned in and kissed her forehead, eliciting another appreciative smile. Thank you, she murmured. For everything. You're wonderful. His thoughts were still on the matter at hand. Thomas glanced at her, seeing her quickly dozing off. Morgan, he asked softly, would you want to look like these women? Sure, she mumbled, already half asleep and hardly thinking. Who wouldn't? It didn't lift the frown from his face. Rather than press the subject, Thomas swung himself up to sit on the empty rack just past hers. He thumbed through the magazine yet again. After a bit of thought, he understood what Morgan meant. Many of the pictures seemed hardly realistic, though it wasn't as if he really had a solid grip on what constituted reality in the 21st century. He was willing to take Morgan's word for it, at least. But whether or not the situations depicted were believable, the women in the pictures weren't paintings or drawings. They were real. Weren't they? What did Morgan mean in saying that the pictures had had? Help? Thomas kept looking. How any woman could be that tanned and yet clearly never work a day in her life was perplexing. But then, no one in Morgan's land had to do even so much as draw water out of a well. It was right there for the taking from those faucet things, which seemed to be in every room. And perhaps all of these women were racially mixed? It certainly seemed plausible that he looked from a picture of one woman, lying around on a beach in some sort of undergarments, and back to Morgan. She had larger, fuller breasts and hips than his mistress. Her legs were no thinner, but they were somewhat smoother. Her features were slightly more delicate. They all seemed like such marginal differences. Thomas hopped off the rack and replaced the magazine on the sleeping man's chest. He looked around the open bay of the plane for more such materials. The magazines in Morgan's knapsack were virtually all words and no pictures that he kept looking throughout the plane, ignored by everyone around him. It wasn't long before he found other magazines, though most had far more in the way of words than pictures, and of those pictures fewer were of strikingly attractive women. Eventually, though, he slipped from bags and bunks a couple more magazines similar to the one Morgan had showed him. There was no denying that the women were attractive. They probably needed servants and attendants, what with how delicate they all seemed. But he pondered as he put the magazines back where he found them. Maybe all was not as it seemed. Eventually, Thomas returned to Morgan's side. Her desires were clear enough, arguable though they were by a matter of degrees. Thomas reached out to her face, tracing his fingers over her skin so softly that she hardly stirred in her sleep. He smoothed out her skin tone. He brushed away tiny blemishes and wrinkles. Thomas smirked as he continued on. If his lovely mistress wanted to be even more beautiful, he certainly wasn't going to argue. Chapter 05 July, 1098 AD Somewhere near Antioch more crusaders arrived outside the old man's home the day after his servants had been slain. The home itself lay smoldering, having burned the night before. His servants were buried. Their murderers lay wrapped in their own cloaks away from the ruins. Everyone else was gone. They found him sitting in the dust, with his legs crossed and his head bowed. His staff lay across his lap. He surely heard the approach of twenty men on horses, but gave no indication that he was concerned. He merely sat and waited. Point two soldiers dismounted, drew arms, and moved off to each side of the old man where he sat in the dust. 
Two more soon joined them. Finally, the apparent leader of the group joined, walking over to the old man with his sword drawn. He was a husky man, with a dark beard and a grim temperament. We've been looking for you, the bearded man said. So I have gathered. I regret that I was not here when your first batch of men arrived. You are the one they call Charles? I am, sniffed the Norman. He looked around. I suspect you already know your magic will not work on me, nor on my men. Nor would you have dared to come here otherwise. The old man put in with a faint, knowing grin. I wonder how your men would feel about you or your protection if they knew the details. It is one thing to convince men to do awful things in the name of their god. It is another to knowingly ally oneself with Dash. You are dying already. Charles interrupted. Yes. A wasting illness, now in its final stages. It is quite beyond my ability to remedy. The practices of healing were never a strong study of mine. I know only enough to mask the symptoms. There was a time when I sought to prolong my lifespan through magic, but the only prospects I could find came at unacceptable prices. The necessary bargains are all so very distasteful. Aren't they, Charles? He looked up at Charles then, needing little time to evaluate the man. You came here in search of knowledge and power. Tomes, ancient scrolls, all that sort of thing. Sorcery by way of banditry, I suppose. As you can see, I no longer have any. Even my own personal power is quite diminished. They said you were the greatest in the region. Charles sniffed again, trying to maintain an air of indifference. His true feelings showed in his eyes. The old man needled him, and he did not like it. The wise hermit out in the wilderness. The mentor. You trained so many. I did, he acknowledged. Truthfully, most of what I taught was merely the value of hard work and independence. Perhaps in the end I was a better teacher than a practitioner myself. There was power here, though, Charles said. I sense it in the air. I smell it. But no longer in you. Why? The old man shrugged. I made a bargain with someone. You said you don't like bargains. I didn't like the bargains that were offered to me. Others may find bargains that suit them just fine. All a matter of details. What were yours, Charles? The Norman's eyes grew colder. I need not answer your questions. Where is Thomas? The old man tilted his head curiously. You send out four men, only to have the lowliest of them return empty-handed. You seek power, only to find none to be had. No treasure. No prize. I imagined then that thoughts would turn toward revenge. Yet you find no one to suffer your wrath but an old man taking his dying breaths. Tell me, servant of the pit, how does it feel to be thwarted at every turn? At that, Charles gave up any pretense of calm. His reddening face screwed up into a snarl of rage. He grabbed at his sword, jerked it free and strode within reach of the old man. His target smiled at the sight. Then his eyes closed. Charles ran him through, again and again, stabbing and hacking the body to pieces. All the while, though, he knew that the man was dead before the first CUT.IT only made him angrier. He would hold on to that anger for a long, long time. February 2009 Rammstein, Germany Morgan's trainers at Fort Huachuca had told her they would teach her to be more observant. Human intelligence, they said, 
was about constant vigilance. It was about reading people, noticing what they noticed, always having your eyes open, even when in a friendly, safe environment. They had done that. Experience in the field had expanded on that vigilance dramatically. She'd have had to be blind not to notice how many people, men and women alike, had to do a double take on her as they wheeled her off the plane and to the bus and then through the hospital to her room. At first, she thought there was something stuck on her face. She frequently brushed at her nose, hoping she didn't have a booger hanging halfway out or something equally horrifying. Morgan wanted to ask Thomas, but he was, once again, utterly fascinated by his surroundings. He looked around like someone seeing the world for the first time. To be fair, that wasn't too far off the mark. She didn't want to spoil the moment for him. She also didn't want anyone to see her talking to her invisible friend. Morgan left him alone, though she couldn't shake the feeling that even Thomas was stealing looks at her. Professional habits took over. Morgan kept her mouth shut, pretending like nothing was wrong. She waited and watched. Eventually, she caught on to the patterns. Guys stole more looks and tended to smile. Women generally looked twice, then turned to whatever else they were doing, and their body language generally conveyed less interest. Every time she found a reflective surface, it was either too high or quickly blocked by someone moving around, or she was turned away by the guy pushing her wheelchair. It wasn't until she was finally left sitting in a waiting room while her attendant went to check her in at the front desk that she finally had a moment of independent mobility. This city is amazing, Thomas said for the millionth time, looking out the window. I had thought Baghdad was impressive enough, but this place, look, another of the planes is taking to the air. Morgan didn't look. She wheeled herself over to the coffee table brushing aside the magazines she found there and bending over in her chair to see her reflection on its black surface. It wasn't ideal, but it did the immediate job. Her face was different. Definitely. That was still Morgan staring back at her, but there was something different. She had lost a little weight in her face. Her skin was smoother. Her mouth had changed somehow. Her lips were now just a little fuller. Morgan's eyes went wide. She sat up straight again. Her gaze darted left, then right, then left again. She waited for just a moment's privacy, just a second when no one was looking. Finally, the opportunity hit. In a flash of movement, Morgan's hands went to her own breasts, groped for just a split second, and then returned to her lap so fast they made a slapping sound. Yep. Bigger. Not obnoxiously so, and hidden somewhat by her hospital shirt but bigger by at least a cup size. Probably two dot her jaw set. Her slender, perfect, no longer marred by pimples that wouldn't die jaw. Sergeant Anderson? Oh, there you are. The pleasant, heavy-set attendant smiled as he came over. Got your room and everything. Ready to go? Morgan looked up at him and smiled as if there was nothing wrong. H.M.? Hmm. She nodded. The attendant smiled back. He stepped around behind her wheelchair and pushed her along. Thomas followed. The aide brought her to a room, helped her up out of the chair and into a hospital bed, and mentioned something about a doctor coming in to see her soon and how she could ring up assistance while she got settled. She didn't listen, really. For all the pleasant, appreciative expressions and smiles and nods she directed the attendant's way, and for all her normal vigilance, 
Morgan's only thoughts were about the awestruck goon gawking out her window that only she could see. Then the attendant left. The bed next to hers was thankfully empty. Thomas, she muttered through gritted teeth. Such an amazing view. He breathed. Thomas, she repeated more assertively. H.M.? Yes? He turned around to face her. Privacy, Morgan said. We need privacy. In here. Now. Ah. Thomas blinked and then nodded. He looked at the door for only a moment. We'll be left alone for now. Is something wrong? What? Did you? Do. Thomas? His brow furrowed. Do to you? What do you mean? Morgan jerked a thumb at her own face. Then she grabbed her breasts again. She glared as understanding dawned on him. In the back of her mind, she realized it was most likely two cup sizes. They were also more sensitive than before. Her own hands almost felt good. Oh, I am sorry. You wish to look differently. What? You said as much on the plane? Thomas shrugged, looking at her in abject apology. Morgan, are you distressed? I thought this was something you wanted. You said dash, something I wanted? Or something you wanted? He looked like he'd been slapped. Morgan, I will undo what I have changed if that is your wish. I thought you said you liked me the way I was. I did. I do. You were the one who objected. Don't you remember the conversation we had about modern beauty? Yeah, I remember that just fine. I also remember pointing out that those girls in those magazines weren't real. You said they needed help, but I'm not sure what that meant. But you fell asleep saying that you wished you could look like them. Morgan grumbled. They had miscommunicated. She got that now. Her brain understood that Thomas had, at worst, taken a liberal interpretation of something she said. It was still difficult to let this go. Those women are genetic freaks in the first place, Thomas. Nobody actually looks like that. Well, okay, hardly anybody. A distinct minority. I mean, okay, yeah, they're naturally beautiful, but damn it, but that's not the point. She fumed at herself more than at him now. Thomas, they alter those photos with computers now. You can't really hold anyone to that standard of beauty. Not in real life. That's what I was trying to say. Or meant to say. Ugh. Tactfully, Thomas waited a long moment before he spoke again. It gave her time to release some of her frustration. I apologize for causing you any distress, he said when it looked safer to speak. I never meant any insult at all. I would never lie to you, Morgan. I concede that I see the differences between those pictures and your natural face, but I hope that you understand I truly found you beautiful from the moment we met. And more so as time has gone on. I didn't change you to please myself. I changed you to please you. One of her eyebrows rose suspiciously. You sure about that? She said, placing one forearm under her breasts and pushing up meaningfully. Thomas stepped on a grin. He shrugged in apology. Again, it seemed to fit the image I believed you sought. I think you know my judgment of you was not built upon your bosom. The snicker escaped her before she could stop herself. She tried to put her hand over her mouth to control her grin, failed, and then finally allowed herself to laugh. I think that line got away from you, she said. I, I think it did, he admitted. She sighed, 
her expression changing to one of chagrin as she looked at her genie. Then she glanced around the room. Would you find me a mirror, please? She asked in a more polite tone. Thomas spotted the one over the sink, out of Morgan's reach, and used a little magic to pull it off the wall. He held it before her. Huh? Morgan grunted. She brushed at her hair, staring at herself. Hmm. She looked again. Wow. Thomas waited. Finally, her eyes flicked up toward him. You did a good job. Thank you. I'd hit that. She shrugged. Thomas blinked at her odd turn of phrase, then blinked again when he realized what she meant. Oh, man, she said, rubbing her eyes. We're gonna have to have that talk, too. I'm sorry. Never mind. Could you put the mirror back, please? He did so, finding it little trouble to mount it back where it came from. I am deeply sorry if I offended you. He reiterated in a gentle tone. Yeah. Well, you didn't, I guess. Just a little freaked out because we didn't communicate well. I suppose there are much worse things than being smoking hot. So you don't want me to change you back? She paused before she answered. No, she said. Much as I hate to admit it. No, I don't. Why do you hate to admit it? Because I feel like I shouldn't be hung up on my looks like this. That it shouldn't matter. I don't know. I imagine this makes you happy too, right? You make me happy regardless. Thomas, she said, smirking a little coyly. We're already awfully intimate. You can tell me what you think. I cannot imagine finding another woman more attractive than you regardless of this. He replied evenly. But yes. I concede that you are slightly more pleasing to the Idusly. Chuckling at his wording, Morgan asked, And you're not going to be bothered by other people finding me more pleasing? Why would I? Because other guys might do something about it. You wouldn't get jealous? Her genie gave a little head shake, then moved over to take her hand. He'd have sat on the side of the bed but for the railing on the hospital rig. I've considered this, he said softly. As I said before, if you have romantic aspirations with anyone, I am your servant. I am here to do what you want. That was before we started sleeping together. Yes, he nodded, and I hope we continue. Truly. I've never felt this way about anyone before. He reached out to run his fingers through her hair. In another life, I'd have wanted you all to myself, yes. But not this one. I'm not a normal man in this life. Thomas replied. I am here to serve you. If you wish to have another lover, or even many, I would not begrudge you. Perhaps it is a measure of the enchantments upon me, but this thought doesn't cause me distress. I want you to have what will make you happy. You sure? Morgan pressed softly. I don't want to hurt you. You mean a lot to me, Thomas. I'm not even. I'm not asking your permission here so much as I want to really know how we both feel about us. On the one hand I'm just afraid to rush things like I haven't already, right? But on the other I just... I don't want you to think you're just some toy to me. You're real. We're real. In a way, Morgan, I was forced upon you. Neither of us met before I was bound to you as your servant. I don't want you to think that my feelings for you are anything less than romantic. But I make no presumptions, and I ask nothing of you that you are not ready to give. Again... Perhaps it is unnatural, but I feel no distress at the prospects of you being with another. And at any rate, 
he added with a bit of a grin. I somehow doubt that any ordinary man could rival the sort of intimacy we share. She giggled a little. No, I guess not, she said. She squeezed his hand. Or the performance. Or the security. I just don't want to have my cake and eat it too if it's at your expense. Thomas shook his head. Would you enjoy dalliances with other men? Blushing fiercely, Morgan confessed. Yes. Especially if it didn't come with lots of baggage. Air, without complications afterward, she elaborated. I mean, I don't want to have sex with every cute guy who walks through the door or anything, but I, yeah? I really like sex. You're amazing, Thomas, but if I'm not hurting you, varieties always, you really don't mind? You're really offering me this? I am. Naturally, I'm properly mortified by the scandalous appetites of my liege. He smirked, plainly not the least bit bothered. But alas, you are my liege, and I owe you every service within my power. Given your natural radiance, though, I imagine you would have no shortage of easy pickings. I can make sure there is no baggage or embarrassing discoveries. Would you be freaked out if... If I was ever with another woman? His eyes widened a bit. No, he said. No, I would not. As long as you got to watch, right? She grinned. I make no conditions. Yeah, yeah? Typical guy. Just, that doesn't freak you out at all. No? Okay. Good. Just wanted that out of the way. Morgan indulged in his affectionate gaze for a longer moment, then shook herself and stretched. Okay, she said. I need to back off on this or I'm gonna pull you down on top of me. Well, he said somewhat humorously. My inability to feel jealousy aside, I would always choose to lay with you myself rather than step aside for another. No, silly. We can't. We just got here. Somebody's bound to want to check in on me. Ah. Yes. That. Thomas stepped around to peer out the door. Indeed, there is a man outside I suspect is your doctor. He's distracted by my enchantment right now, but clearly he means to see you. Okay. Let's get this done. Remember, we want him to think I'm mending quickly, but we don't want to make it look unnatural. Go ahead and let him in, and Thomas thank you. She said. For everything. Your servant. He replied, bowing low. Then he retreated back toward the window. A knock came at the side of the open door. Sergeant Anderson? A man asked. Yes? Hi, the doctor said as he walked in. He closed the door behind him. I'm Dr. Richmond. He did the same blink and double take as everyone else had today, covering it well but plainly noticing Morgan's beauty nonetheless. Morgan did a double take, too. Dr. Richmond was a good-looking man. He had strong, well-groomed features and a nice smile. A very nice smile. It's very nice to meet you, Sergeant, he said, shaking her hand. We heard about you on the news. Hell of a piece of, uh, work you did out there. Thanks, she grinned shyly. You're in good hands here. We're going to do everything we can to make you comfortable and healthy again. His grin was a touch more than friendly. Morgan read him like a book. He didn't want to be unprofessional, but his attraction was plain on his face that he said things to Morgan about her legs and her other injuries, but she didn't entirely hear them. Her mind was suddenly set on having cake and eating it, too. 
She glanced toward Thomas, who kept track of the situation, but innocently shrugged and looked out the window when they made eye contact. So I should give you the once over here, the doctor said. Vitals and all that. Then we'll check your injuries and see how you're coming. Morgan bit her lip. This was a doctor. An officer. No wedding ring, but he might well have a girlfriend, but then again maybe not. She glanced again at Thomas. He gestured to himself and then toward the doorway, silently asking if she wanted him to leave with a knowing grin. He never asked anything like that before. She couldn't believe it. He wasn't just okay with her screwing around. Now he was enabling her. With the doctor distracted by his clipboard, Morgan mouthed. You sure about this? Thomas rose and walked toward her. The doctor was completely oblivious to it, to Morgan's hesitation, and even to how he fumbled with his stethoscope like he never used it before. Indulge yourself, Thomas said without the slightest worry. No one will think anything out of this or worry at all. Including the doctor, he added. Then he was gone. Sergeant? the doctor asked, again with his disarming smile. She fought back a grin. Call me Morgan, she said, looking deeply into his eyes. Outside Morgan's room, Thomas made a sweep of the hallways with his eyes. The hospital was active, but not especially busy. He dropped an enchantment over the door behind him to prevent noise from escaping. He felt more than a little mischievous. The doctor seemed like a nice enough fellow, and his instant attraction to Morgan was plainly obvious. Moreover, Thomas doubted the man was a warrior like Morgan. If things somehow went badly, Thomas had little doubt that Morgan would send him packing quickly. Everyone else might believe Morgan was a wounded woman. Thomas knew better. He wandered down one hall, finding nothing at its end but other rooms for patients and more hallways. He backtracked, turned a corner, and located one of those stations where the people who ran the floor told the doctors where to go and what to do. Thomas found this amusing. He had gathered that people in this century showed great deference to anyone called doctor. Yet it was obvious that people with less weighty titles actually ran things. Nurses, they seemed to be called. Them, and the assistants. Thomas leaned in over the desk. Pardon me, he said to the young man at the computer. Would this be the place from whence Dr. Richmond is dispatched to his appointments? The young man blinked. Um, yes, he answered wondering if he missed a joke in there somewhere. Ah. He charged me with informing you that he might be a while with his current patient. I believe the phrase is, hold all my calls or some such. Uh, yeah, it doesn't really work that way. Who are you? Someone you should forget about. Thomas smiled cheerfully. Gotcha, the other said. Okay. He turned back to his computer, forgetting about the exchange entirely yet remembering the message. Thomas turned away, completely ignored once more. He considered what he might do with his time while Monica fooled around. The most obvious answer hit him within moments. I'm sorry, he said to the man at the desk. You'll have to forget about me again, but where do I find the soldiers who've been blown up by bombs? Not for the first time, Morgan suddenly found herself not the least bit bothered to be wearing only a hospital gown. Ordinarily, she couldn't stand the vulnerability. Yet alone with an attractive man, she could certainly see its advantages. Doctor. Richmond was at her back, his stethoscope on her skin as she breathed. 
Lungs sound great, he murmured. He placed his hand on her right shoulder as he moved the instrument with his left. The touch may have been a little unnecessary, but she looked up at him with bright, accepting eyes. Strong heartbeat there. Little fast, though. Are you nervous at all? Maybe a little. She smiled up at him with a slow, soft voice. I just haven't been touched much at all lately. With kind hands, anyway. Sorry if I'm embarrassing you, she added when she saw him blush. Ah, uh, that's no worry, really, he said. The doctor swallowed hard. Morgan suppressed a triumphant grin. Being a knockout beauty with a genie for a wingman was going to be awesome. She kept her cool. Is that really easier from behind? What, listening to you breathe? Well, yes, he said. It affords a little more modesty anyway. Oh, I really don't mind. I'm sure I can trust a doctor, she said, slipping one hand around her back to slip loose the top drawstring at her back. Still sitting up straight, Morgan pulled the gown down in front. The top of her gown sagged down to her firm, ample chest. Swallowing both his nerves and the bait, the doctor stepped around and placed the stethoscope against her chest. Morgan kept her eyes on his, breathing deeply. Part of her wanted to laugh out loud at her own absurdity. The other part of her, which wanted to get laid, kept her humor in check. Yeah, Richmond confirmed. Just a strong, healthy, beautiful heartbeat. She gave him her best doe eyes. Thank you. It's your legs we should be worried about, though. Yeah, she nodded. My legs. And my side a little, too. I got knocked around pretty good. He smiled. Gave better than you got from what I hear. Anyway, you'll need to, uh, pull the sheets back so I can see how you're healing. I think you'll find I'm doing very well, doctor, Morgan said. But I would really appreciate it if you could make sure everything's in working order. As she spoke, she slipped the blanket and her hospital gown back, and back, further up her legs than it needed to go. She smiled at him, turning her smooth, shapely legs in as alluring a pose as she could manage what with the cast and the bandages and the hospital. This continued to make her laugh inside. She was of half a mind to order a pizza after this just so she could tell the delivery man. Oh, but I don't have any money. Morgan let out a tiny little moan as Richmond touched her legs. Sorry, she said. Just like I said, it feels nice to be touched. That's all right, he said in a deep, soothing voice. You're here to feel better. I definitely feel better now. Your records say that there should be some more bruising, he said, but I don't see much here. I think I've been healing quickly, but I don't really know. It's not like I can look all over. Don't worry, doctor. I trust you. Doctor-patient confidentiality, right? He couldn't possibly mistake this for anything less than abject flirtation now. Richmond nodded. Sure, he said. Sometimes you can detect these things better by feel than by sight. He explained, taking her up on her invitation to slowly caress her to midway up her thigh, then down again. Mmm, H. I can imagine. I don't mean to say anything inappropriate but you've got very smooth legs for someone who's been in the hospital for a week. And in Iraq before then. It's like they've just been waxed. Morgan grinned. She'd have to thank Thomas again for that later. Physically. Trade secret, doctor. But don't worry about being inappropriate. In fact, when her voice trailed off, 
Richmond's gaze turned from her legs to her eyes. I haven't been really looked over since it all happened, she said. Not by a man with skilled hands. Would that be inappropriate? I don't see why. Richmond shrugged, giving up any pretense of being less than inappropriately friendly in tone. I think we've got enough privacy here. Morgan's grin widened. She slipped the last strings loose on her hospital gown and slowly, teasingly pulled it away. Richmond looked no less dazzled than Thomas normally was. Touch me anywhere you need to, doctor, she said. Make sure you're thorough. She lay back before him, a vision of naked splendor in plain hospital panties, bandages, and an ankle brace. Morgan felt no less sexy for all that, though, and for that matter her playmate of the hour was completely unhindered. His hands roamed across her body, exploring her flat belly, her sides, her bare shoulders and especially her naked breasts. Morgan pushed up into his touch whenever it came across her tits, reveling in their newfound sensitivity. Her nipples were already hard before he'd even gotten to them. You seem very healthy to me, Morgan, the doctor murmured heavily. Make sure, she said. I know it's important sometimes to examine with all your senses. It is at that, Dr. Richmond concurred. He leaned in, slipping one hand around her neck to draw her up into a kiss that began as a soft probe and soon escalated into greater passion. Morgan pulled back down on him, drawing him in for more. She encouraged his hands to keep roaming and exploring with soft, needful moans. The longer they played, the more she wanted. She could tell the doctor felt much the same way. His breath grew heavy as he kissed the side of her neck his touch moving down to her waist he appreciated foreplay. Morgan was glad to discover that much. She let herself be indulged for long minutes. But even if Thomas was covering for them, she knew she shouldn't drag this out and keep the doctor there all day. Feeling sexy and beautiful under his attention, Morgan decided to move to the next step. Doctor, she whispered. Call me Craig. Dr. Craig, she giggled turning in to whisper hotly into his ear. I think I might need a complete exam. Oh? One hand slipped back from around his waist to gently tease at the stiffness between his legs. I know I'm safe from all the usual accidents, of course, but I haven't. Well, she murmured. Can you make sure everything works? Craig grinned. I think it's my duty to reassure you any way I can, he said. Morgan watched with delight as the doctor pulled away to shuck off his hospital scrubs. He was in nice enough shape, sporting equipment that would do the job nicely. She grinned as he slipped her panties down, humming appreciatively when he paused to plant the softest kiss between her legs. M.H., nice, she smiled. You can do more of that if you feel like you've got the time, but if not, I understand. Maybe for a follow-up exam, then, Craig agreed. He crawled over her, sliding the rails on the bed down, and then helping her move her wounded legs aside. This isn't uncomfortable for you? he asked. Feeling better than I have in a long time, she said. It was true enough, if by a long time she meant since Thomas had seen to her in the airplane. She took his cock by the hand, guiding it against her wet lips, teasing herself with it. Everything feels great so far, Craig winked. And the big test? Craig pushed in. They shared a soft moan as he entered her, both of them savoring contact and slow penetration. Morgan tightened around him, loving the feel of a new cock inside her 
and the look of excitement and pleasure on her partner's face that he pulled halfway out and sank back in again, slowly building a rhythm. Morgan enjoyed the hell out of him. He confirmed, despite his virility and stamina and confident, steady touch, that there were real differences between real sex and magic genie sex. Still, just because he was only human, didn't make him anything less than a great fuck. Morgan gave in, both to the man riding her and to the opportunities she'd been handed. She loved men. She loved sex. If that made her a slut, well, other people could take their bullshit double standards and shove them up their ass. She'd laugh all the way to bed that she'd fuck Thomas's brains out by way of thanks, too. He was wonderful. This wouldn't be happening without him. Morgan adored him all the more, and resolved to enjoy this moment he'd given her, and then enjoy the hell out of him in person later. Premier! Morgan beckoned to the man fucking her. He laid out on top of her body to kiss her deeply. The shift was just what she needed to bring the pleasure between her legs to the next level. Morgan grabbed onto Craig's ass as he continued to grind into her, spreading his touch all across her pussy to bring her nearer and nearer to orgasm. Don't stop, baby, she encouraged breathlessly. Don't DDD. Oh, MMMHH. Morgan tightened even more around him as her body tensed and shook with orgasm. Craig fucked her even harder pushing himself to the brink while she wrote out her pleasures. Her climax was hardly even finished before his began, leaving her feeling even sexier in the afterglow as her partner got off in her hot, tight, luxurious body. Morgan finally let herself have another giggle as they cooled down. She would most definitely enjoy these new rules for her sex life. Chapter 06 February 2009 Landstall Germany her eyes fluttered open to the sight of Thomas in the chair across from her hospital bed. Whatever book he was reading had him interested well enough, though she couldn't really make out the title. He seemed relaxed. Calm. Unconcerned. Morgan was about to ask him what he was doing over there instead of getting into bed with her, when she realized that this wasn't Baghdad anymore. This was Lansdell, and then her heart leapt into her throat and her eyes snapped open wide. She hadn't meant to fall asleep. Alerted by her sudden change of breathing, Thomas looked up with a warm smile. I didn't mean to frighten you, he said. No, it's not. I just... Morgan blinked away her surprise and took a few breaths to steady herself. Her hospital gown was back in place, the sheets covering her once more, but she still felt as disheveled as she had been when the doctor left Dot or, more to the point when the doctor left his nicely fucked patient lying in her bed. Thomas waited for her patiently. He kept doing that. She felt no less flustered for it. He had said that he was fine with this he encouraged her, covered their sounds and made sure they'd get away with it, and left to allow her some privacy for her spontaneous fling. Even so, wasn't he the least bit bothered? It had been an easy thing to accept when she was excited and aroused. It wasn't so hard to worry about the repercussions of a random lay while it was actually going on, but then Thomas didn't come back afterward. That had left her worried. Her smiling afterglow had given way to pensive waiting, then a nervous series of rehearsed apologies, and now, now, she realized she had fallen asleep while waiting for him. Some show of sincerity that must be. Morgan bit her lip as she thought of something to say. 
All those words she'd thought up before falling asleep deserted her. Hey, she tried and felt stupid for it. Hello yourself, Thomas smiled. I have patrolled the hospital and alleviated what suffering I could without arousing suspicion. I believe I have done some significant good. There may be a miracle recovery or two in the offing. He shrugged. You did that without my even asking? Morgan asked in a small, quiet voice. It seemed the most likely thing you would want me to do. To be honest, I've come to expect it. And as long as you've no need of my power, I thought. I thought I might take the liberty. Was this wrong? She sniffed. Her eyes welled up. No. Thomas stood, stepping toward her with his concern plain on his face. What is it? You're just... everything's really normal? You aren't mad? Hurt? I hesitate to call anything normal after all that I have seen. And you have a genie in your life, so there's that, but why? What should I be upset about? Your tryst? The lump in her throat threatened her ability to speak. She merely nodded, looking up at him with apologetic eyes. His easy smile remained. Do not trouble yourself. As I said, I don't feel particularly jealous. He paused, searching for the right words. It was probably good for both of us to verify this. I am yours, Morgan, not the other way around. I cherish you, but I have no claim upon you. She shook her head, grabbing his wrist to draw him close enough to hold him. Her head leaned against his chest. That's not true. He knelt beside her, bringing his eyes level to hers. Did he hurt you? Was something wrong? You slept so peacefully. I thought I thought you must have enjoyed yourself. I did. She sniffed. I mean, yeah, but not as much as with you. An amused grin crept across his mouth. Morgan, you are free to dally or not as you wish. But I would ask that you not make a habit of comparing your lover's performance, at least out loud. Sooner or later someone's feelings will be a bit bruised. Even mine. Laughter burst from her, short and unexpected. No, I just mean your. She couldn't help but smile at him now. You're amazing, Thomas. I have unfair advantages. No, she shook her head. It's not those. She squeezed his hand. But keep using them anyway, okay? Of course. I was just worried when you didn't come back right away that you might be mad. You could have summoned me. I don't know how. Just call for me. Even under your breath. I'll be there quickly. I don't believe I can simply vanish in one place and appear in the next. He shrugged. But I can move very quickly these days. He tilted his head curiously. Was I away too long? Admittedly, I got distracted by watching what was going on in the operating rooms, and then there was another room with a television going. I thought you wanted to make sure we both had some space from one another on occasion. That has been one of your concerns all along. Morgan gave a nod. Yeah, it is, I just... She looked around for the clock. He had been gone for hours. Night had fallen. She smiled again. I'm starting to think we're gonna be fine. I am glad to hear it. You were worried that I was hurt by your tryst? Nobody calls it that anymore, she said, embarrassed by her snorting laugh. She covered her mouth, then laughed again. You call it a fling, or a booty call, or a one-night stand. His eyebrow quirked. 
People stand now? That seems strange. No, you doof. She shoved him playfully. Well, okay. I mean you and I should try it, but only because you can use magic and I'm sure it'll be awesome. She smiled at the look of interest on his face. Anyway, yeah? I was worried. I know you arranged all that dash. You seduced him all on your own. Thomas corrected. I just made sure he wouldn't have to worry about being caught. Okay. Fine. Anyway, yes. People say and do things they don't mean for the sake of other people all the time. I'm sure they did it in your era too, didn't they? I don't want to hurt you, Thomas. As I said, you are my liege. All my affection aside, I would not presume otherwise. I don't want you to put your affection aside. We've gone too far for that now. He took up her hands and kissed them. I feel no jealousy. No betrayal. I am happy to know that you had a pleasant time. If you wish to pursue this man, I will aid you. If not, I need no further details. It will be the same in the future. Morgan bit her lip. Can you, um, clean me up? She asked that he smiled, showing nothing but understanding, and then kissed her forehead. The feeling was subtle, but it was there. Her skin felt fresher, the matted feeling in her scalp vanished, and the sense that she needed to get into the shower or the bath no longer troubled her. All the way? She asked quietly, blushing fiercely. Inside, too? It's done. Little too much information there, huh? She smirked. You are not my first liege, Thomas assured her, and I'm able to use magic. I hardly even need to think about this. Even so, at least you haven't gotten so drunk you can't find your way outside to dash. Too much? Too much. She laughed, then squeezed his hands again. I can't believe I get to have all this. He shrugged. It's magic. I wanted a liege whom I would truly feel deserving of my loyalty. I don't pretend to know the intricacies of magic, but on some level you earn me. I don't plan to make a constant habit of this. I don't care if you do. Well, he corrected, I imagine I'll care if you stop making a habit of me. She just grinned. I'd really just like you to hold me tonight, Thomas. Not because the other guy was better or because I don't want you. He wasn't yet. You'll have to live with knowing that, but he wasn't, and I do still want you. But tonight I just want you with me because I know we'll have more time together later. Thomas slipped one leg up onto the bed, then another, his clothing vanishing as he moved until there were only the boxer briefs she seemed to like so much. The pair indulged in a kiss before Morgan settled into his arms, putting her head up against his chest as she had on other nights. His fingers drifted through her hair, leaving her feeling all the more spoiled that I and the solace of his arms. Morgan found her feelings for him growing. She'd been increasingly attached to him all along, but now she knew just how little she had to worry about Thomas getting clingy. He could give her space. Stay away for more than a couple hours at a time. Find his own interests. And even step aside for other men. She had a lot to think about, and a lot of feelings to sort through. She'd known that all along, too. Yet now she looked forward to coming to those conclusions. Bored now, Morgan declared. She turned off the television set, put aside the remote, and stared at the blank screen. 
She had been in Lansdell for little more than 48 hours and had been told earlier today that she'd likely be on her way back to the U.S. in five days. She'd spend two weeks at Walter Reed, give or take, and then be on her way home to Fort Lewis. That sounded dumb to her. There was a perfectly good hospital at Fort Lewis. Largest military hospital on the West Coast, even, last time she checked. There was also a car there with her name on the registration. And an apartment full of her stuff. And her future point five. Days. Thomas, I wish you were here, she said out loud. And then she waited. She remembered what he said about coming to her when summoned, but just the same it hadn't happened yet, and sometimes his powers surprised him. She had been with him for the vast majority of his practical experience with his magic. Maybe he was wrong, and he'd appear in a big blue puff of smoke. Or maybe a bolt of lightning would crash through the ceiling and boom. Genie! Or maybe a big shower of glitter. Please God, no, not glitter, she thought to herself. I could not fuck any guy who glittered for any reason. That shit's just not okay. Seconds passed, but not minutes. To Morgan's mild disappointment, Thomas merely walked through the door. Not flashy, but very punctual. You called mistress? She sat with her arms folded across her chest. Her frown diminished somewhat with his greeting. I can't decide whether you calling me mistress is ridiculous or hot, she said. I will call you whatever you wish, he replied with a slight bow. We've established this already. Yeah, I'm not complaining. That's the thing. I feel like it's terrible of me to enjoy the power trip, but I really enjoy the power trip. Thomas only smiled. He playfully got down on one knee and reached up to hold her hand. She burst out laughing before he could even say anything, and stopped him with a raised hand. Don't. Whatever you're gonna say, don't. As ever, he bowed to her wishes. Is there something I can do for you? Oh, lots, but right now I have something in particular in mind. Thomas, I'm being a crabby, selfish bitch right now and I've run out of ways to talk myself out of it. Did I interrupt anything for you? Your courtesy and your laugh would seem to indicate otherwise, he observed hesitantly. A crabby bitch wouldn't ask me if I was doing anything important. And no, I was merely out walking around. For all the modern wonders, this place wears on me. Huh. How about that? Thomas, I need you to make me all invisible and stealthy and stuff. I need you to make sure the cameras don't record us going anywhere and that nobody notices that I'm out of the bed, and I need you to come with me. We've got a job to do. He nodded, then rose and offered his hand. We shall be as ghosts, he said, helping her courteously out of bed. Thank you, kind sir, she smirked. Will we be able to talk to each other without anyone knowing? As you wish, he nodded. Good. Follow me. With that, she walked out of the hospital room. Thomas fell in behind her. He kept silent, staying close by and watching as Morgan went to the nurse's station for her ward. Naturally, he had plenty of questions he always did but since the previous day's tryst and their conversation last night, Morgan had kept her own counsel. She asked politely to be left alone to think, and though her tone remained no less friendly, she had been decidedly less affectionate today. That she admitted being called mistress was hot was something of a relief. At least she still openly acknowledged their attraction. Yet here they were together again, 
and she was still short on conversation. The floor was quiet at this time of night. The nurse was not actually at her station when they got there, which suited Morgan just fine. You're on lookout duty, Morgan said. Anyone starts coming this way, let me know. I shall. Thomas nodded and took up a spot where he could watch the hallways. He saw Morgan move to the vertical file holders along the wall behind the nurse's station. She quickly searched through them, pulling out a few key papers and laying them aside. Make sure nobody bothers to look at these files until I'm finished with this stuff, Morgan said. Just throw the same enchantment over the file rack that you use for us. You can do that, right? Ah, he blinked. Yes? He scratched his head. That was, he realized, within his power, yet he hadn't really considered it before. How did you know? Seemed like a reasonable guess, given what you've already done. Now give me a minute to read through this. She shuffled through more of the papers, removing a couple from the files. Then she put the group of files back where they belong. Finished, she found a seat just by the nurse's station. Okay, you can let the nurse come back now. Thomas frowned. I hadn't really done anything. She isn't here. No, but when she comes back, Morgan muttered, waving her hand. Should be in just about a minute. Ah. He waited again until finally he saw the nurse coming. On her way now. How did you know? It's my job to notice things. She muttered. A moment later, she finally lifted her eyes from the papers the nurse as she strode casually toward her station. Okay, you can't read minds, right? Right. But can you make people move slower without noticing? He blinked. I suppose? Great. Put Nurse Oblivious here into slow motion as soon as she sits down at her station and memorize what I say. She stood and loomed at the nurse's station, looking carefully at the keyboard to the computer. Thomas waited until the nurse pulled out her chair before he used the enchantment. Morgan watched carefully as the nurse rolled the mouse on its pad and then lazily keyed in a single word. Geosalugs1, she said aloud, heedless of how close she was to the nurse. True to Thomas's word, the woman noticed nothing. Geosalugs1, she repeated, and then looked at Thomas. Geosalugs1, he asked. Morgan chewed on it. Oh, she went to UC Santa Cruz. That won't be hard to remember at all. Damn, they really do have the coolest mascot, she muttered. Um, you can let her move at normal speed again. Releasing the nurse from the spell, Thomas stood waiting for further instructions. None were forthcoming. Morgan kept watch over the nurse's shoulder. Oh, awesome, she said to herself. Dr. Booty Call has the next two days off. He won't even know. Ah, mistress? he asked, hoping he wasn't overstepping his entirely unclear bounds. Yeah, you should only call me that if you're hitting on me, she grunted. I'm not complaining, but still. What are we doing? H.M.? Sorry, I guess she's just gonna sit here and surf the internet for a while. Morgan stood. We're going home, Thomas. He tilted his head curiously. I thought you said that would cause problems for you? Force you into hiding? Only if we vanished into thin air or if I walked out of here on my own power, Morgan said. She waved for him to follow and headed down the hall. If I did that, then yeah, I'd wind up with a lot of questions to answer. 
I could probably pull a good disappearing ack a great one with your help but I don't really want to have to keep up with it. I'd have to work out a new identity and everything, and I'm not interested in that. I like being me. So? He asked. So we're gonna cut me some slightly unusual order sending me to the hospital closest to home. Practically my hometown. And it'll be all in the paperwork and the computers, so nobody'll think twice about it. By the time anyone notices it's wrong, I'll be home and it won't be worth fixing. I see, Thomas said. His tone conveyed some of his doubt about this. I'm sure I could work this out with magic. You don't understand well enough how computers work, Morgan said with a shake of her head. Or army bureaucracy. That's okay, though. I've been taught a thing or three about how to catch people being naughty. Turns out you learn how to be naughty along the way. Watch and learn, buddy. First thing we need is a copier, and then we need to find Dr. Richmond's computer and figure out how to get into that. Goddamn counterintelligence specialist with a fucking genie. She grumbled under her breath. No reason at all I should be taking up a hospital bed. February, 2009 Madigan Army Medical Center His hopes for an amorous flight, like the one they'd had from Iraq to Germany were dashed when she asked to be put to sleep for the duration. Thomas fully intended to provide a long, lingering bout of intimate bliss for his mistress, but that was not to be. He wondered if he should have suggested his intentions openly before they got on the plane. The flight did not bore him, exactly. Flying in a giant metal machine was still exciting and new. Everything, it seemed, was still new. He wandered the plane listening to conversations and watching the pilots work. Maps and charts fascinated Thomas, showing him how the world truly looked when all he'd ever seen before this century were effectively scribbles and wild conjecture. He stimulated the healing of the other injured soldiers. He read, too, which was something he could not get enough of now that his magic had taught him how, but nothing, he found, fascinated him as much as Morgan. He adored his liege and his friend, and had dared to begin thinking of her as more than both. She never took him for granted, always showed her appreciation, and still spoke to him with affection, and yet the flirtation had diminished significantly since her tryst with the doctor. Thomas believed her when she said that it wasn't as enjoyable nor as fulfilling as what they shared. He did not feel jealousy, and couldn't fault her for indulging in her freedom. If she wanted another, he would aid her in that pursuit, and be happy for her. Just the same, her apparent loss of interest bothered him. It wasn't as if she had shut him out of conversation, but the tone had changed somewhat. What had he done wrong? Was it actually that had he done something wrong? Or failed to do something? She liked him a great deal. Found him attractive. Enjoyed his company, both as a friend and as a bedmate. But now she seemed preoccupied and distant. Could it simply be a matter of pensive feelings as she returned home, moving to wake her before they landed? Thomas leaned in to kiss her forehead and then paused. Was this still appropriate? Was it what she wanted? She knew his affection for her. Yet if for any reason she wanted to ease the passion between them, he had to respect that. Regardless of what they had shared, fate had forced him upon her and her life. He reached out to place his hand on hers and smiled down at her as her eyes fluttered open. We have arrived, he said to her. Morgan took a deep breath and stretched her arms over her head, 
arcing her back slightly and consequently pushing out her breasts. Enamored as he was by Morgan's original, natural appearance, Thomas still couldn't help but feel a bit mesmerized by her now. He'd done an amazing job in enhancing her beauty. Her smile didn't quite match his. Thank you, she said. There was more friendship in her tone than authority, and yet. I need you to pay close attention to where we go and what goes on around us while we're in the hospital. I won't want to spend the evening there, but we have to be careful about how we slip out so we aren't missed. Okay? Thomas merely nodded. As you wish. Her lips pursed. Yeah, that's another movie I'm gonna have to show you. I'm sorry. Word choice. Never mind. Morgan, is there anything wrong? You've been somewhat distant in the last couple of days. There's plenty wrong, but none of that is right in front of me just yet. It's closer now that we're here, but... She shrugged and looked up at him. I've had a lot on my mind, Thomas. Some of it is stuff I have to work out for myself. I've felt like talking to you would only confuse things. Be patient with me just a while longer? She asked that he gave a half-nod, half-bow. Of course. Right now I just want to focus on the job which is making sure we can slip out of here tonight without any issues. I'm not interested in spending the night in the hospital, or with my leg in a brace. Learning the routine at Madigan Medical Center turned out to be much easier than that of the hospital at Lansdell. This was, after all, familiar ground for Morgan. She only knew so much about the hospital itself, having come here only occasionally and for brief visits in the past. But she knew the area, knew the general ebb and flow of activity around Joint Base Lewis McCord, and knew how stateside military folks liked to arrange their schedules. As Morgan expected, practically everyone who checked her paperwork muttered something about her transfer being irregular, but gave the matter little further concern. She was processed, given a quick check by a nurse and then a somewhat more thorough exam by a doctor, all with raised eyebrows and encouraged smiles about her rapid recovery. All the while, Thomas made his rounds of the hospital. He knew now how to look for cameras and exits, what to read and when to listen. By the time Morgan had been admitted to her room again, thankfully, one she did not have to share he knew most of what he needed to know. He found her with her laptop opened and at work, scanning her screen with interest as she clicked her way through her work. Mission accomplished? she asked. I believe so, Thomas said. There is a written schedule on the nurse's station for this floor. I took the liberty of conjuring a copy for you, he explained as he handed it to her. This hospital is not as busy as Lansdell or Baghdad's. I believe we can get away for an evening. Outstanding, she smiled, taking the schedule and reviewing it briefly. So you made me a gold bar once. You can make beds larger and smaller. And you made clothes for yourself. Think you can make outfits for two? Easily, he nodded. She spun her laptop around to show him the picture. Can you make that? She asked. On the screen was a handsome man in black slacks and a stylish silk blue button-up shirt. It doesn't seem like it would flatter your beauty, but I can manage. He smirked. Ha! For you, Duff. I'd like to see you in that, if you're willing to wear it. Of course I am, Thomas said. He changed in the blink of an eye. One moment— he was in fatigue pants and a black t-shirt, and in the next he was dressed for a night out. It fit him perfectly. 
Now how do you even know how the fabric feels? Morgan asked, reaching out to touch his clothes. She found them softer than she expected, smoother and likely more comfortable than the real thing. Or then again I guess it doesn't really matter, right? It's magic, he shrugged. I've used my imagination. I've come to find that the magic itself does a little bit of work to fill in the gaps. Gotcha. Well, as long as we're not getting hung up on little details. She turned her computer back to her, clicked through a few pages, and paused to assure herself of what she wanted before she spoke further. Okay. It's past seven, so traffic out there won't be so bad. Can you make sure we're ready to go? Cast whatever magic spells you need so we can just slip out of here when I'm ready? Thomas nodded deeply once more, then turned and looked out the doorway. Morgan noticed that this trick seemed to be mostly centered on the entryways of a room more than anything else. When he stepped back inside, he said, You'll be found sleeping soundly and with everything in a state of peace and normalcy. He explained. His head tilted curiously. Are we going to visit your home? No. Morgan huffed as if that would be a bad idea. No, we're not going there at all. I'm not ready to deal with that yet. Feels kind of bad that I haven't called Dad yet to tell him I'm here, but... She clicked around a little more on the laptop and sighed. No, I've got to settle the rest of this first. She spun the computer around again. Here, she said. I wish for these panties, these shoes and this dress, and I wish for them to fit me comfortably and perfectly so I'll look ravishing. Please, she added, smiling at him. Then she pointed to the bed. On the bed, please. Not right on me. I'd like to get dressed under my own power. He couldn't help but smile. The thought of Morgan walking beside him in a flattering, figure-hugging black dress like the one on the picture certainly lifted his spirits. The warrior of old Europe very much appreciated modern women's styles. There was much to be said for a dress with a long slit-up one leg. A moment later, the clothes appeared on the bed in front of Morgan. And the brace? The bandages? She asked pleasantly. Thank you, she said when they vanished within heartbeats. May I ask what we're up to tonight? Date night, Morgan said. You'll have to step outside, please. I'd like to get dressed. Date night? Thomas asked. What date is it? Is there something special about it? Morgan let out a melodramatic sigh, fighting off her grin. A date is any sort of prearranged meeting with possible romantic intent. She explained. As in, do I really like this guy? Or will she sleep with me if I buy her dinner? It's what we do now instead of having our parents decide who we're gonna marry. Ah. I see. The extensive tryout period you discussed before. Yeah. And it's not just a matter of marriage. Sometimes it's just short-term interest. I've dated guys I knew damn well weren't gonna be my lifelong one and only. Any way out you? I'm taking you out on a date tonight, and I want to look good. Thomas stepped out of the room. He had observations and corrections to make about what she had said, but they could wait. Seeing her in that dress could not. This city is even more amazing than the last, Thomas exclaimed for the third time. He sat beside Morgan in the back seat of the taxi, looking out with wonder at all the lights, tall buildings and cars. Morgan tried hard not to roll her eyes. It wasn't like he really knew any better. It's only downtown Tacoma, 
she said. It's wonderful, she sighed. He had a lot to learn. Still, it was once again his night to be awestruck. The dress fit her perfectly, so much so that she figured just staying home and staring at herself in the mirror for a while would be entertaining enough on a rainy night. Yet he had even more fun using his magic to cleanse and curl her brown hair, to give her a little eyeshadow and to redden her lips. She felt beautiful, and loved it, and had no interest in being shown up to by Tacoma of all places. Hey, magic man, she said, giving his hand a squeeze. I'm over here. Thomas turned back to her and gave that smile she'd come to adore. My apologies, he said. I'm new in town. Have I been ignoring you? She couldn't help but laugh. Wow, sometimes I don't really know what I want, she confessed. Half of me feels a little put out, and the other half is glad that I'm not the only thing that can hold your attention. Eventually I'll become accustomed to this city and the others like it, Thomas assured her. You will always be able to hold my attention. He raised her hand to his lips and kissed it softly, never breaking eye contact. The two just stared at one another for a long moment. For the first time in days, Thomas had finally gotten Morgan to blush again. This is the place you wanted, right? asked the cab driver. He pulled up to the glowing lights and shining black glass of the restaurant. It is, Morgan said. She pulled the card out of her wallet to pay for the taxi ride, smiling to herself as Thomas exited, rounded the car and opened the door for her even before the driver got to it. He waited with his hand extended, and helped her out as if he'd put in several years as a personal valet. He even opened the door for her on the way in, but knew to let her take the lead from there. It wasn't as if he knew his way around a modern restaurant. So far, all he knew of them was from a handful of movies. Hi, we don't have a reservation, Morgan said to the hostess. Table for two? Under the name of Thomas? Absolutely, said the hostess who did the same double-take on Morgan that everyone else seemed to need lately and, for that matter, on Thomas. Morgan couldn't help but smile at the way the young woman's skin seemed to flush with color as she glanced up a third time at her escort. It'll be at least a twenty-minute wait, though. Would you like to have a seat in the bar? We might in a moment, but I thought we'd go out on the patio for a few. Um, okay. The hostess nodded unsure as to why anyone would want to hang around outside on a late February night. They weren't exactly dressed warmly. We'll let you know when your table is ready. Morgan took a deep breath and held tightly to Thomas's hand. Thank you, she said, drawing him out behind her. I could be mistaken, Thomas said, but this seems like a place for the wealthy, even with all these modern standards that I'm not used to. Yeah, you'd probably be impressed by a standard burger joint she grimaced. Don't worry, there'll be plenty of that, too. I can surely pay for all this, he mused, presuming they accept gold. I could conjure more of your paper money, but you said that was to be avoided. It is. That's counterfeiting. Screws with the economy, and on principle I don't want to do that. Don't worry, she said, drawing him out to the well-lit patio and its heat lamps. I'll take full advantage of your magic for material gain soon enough. Right now I can afford a single swanky night out. I'm buying for both of us. Thank you, he said. Morgan turned to him, drawing both of his hands into hers and stepping close. 
Can you make sure nobody's listening in on us? Or notices if I make a big scene? He tilted his head curiously, but nodded. Done. Again, Morgan took a long, steadying breath. Thomas waited patiently, feeling a bit guarded. For all her cheer, something weighty concerned her. We need to have the talk, Thomas. The one I'd been avoiding while I sorted things out. I understand, he replied, though he plainly didn't. I'd been distant because I wanted to sort out how I felt about things. About you. My life. Everything. You're kind of distracting. Honestly, part of it was that I just wanted to see if you could get the clue and give me some space when I needed it, and you did, and I'm grateful. I'm sorry if it seemed like I was playing games with you. Honestly, that wouldn't be an unfair way to describe it. Women who play games like that with guys suck, and I'm sorry, but I just had to know. He shook his head. Morgan, you have nothing to apologize for. I am your servant. That's not all, though, is it? Morgan asked. She looked at him intently. Thomas, I need you to tell me how you feel about me. I need you to be honest and open. The truth, the whole truth, all that. She had her poker face on. Though it was plain she cared about him, she left no indication as to what she wanted him to say. She hadn't seen much in the way of self-doubt in his eyes before now, or at least, not when it came to his emotions. Morgan studied his face as he searched for the words to answer her. I fear I still don't have enough sense of this time to answer you easily and directly, as a modern man could, he confessed. I am unsure if what I would say will sound to you as it does to me. You are unlike anyone I have ever met, Morgan. The thought of being your friend, companion, and your servant as that is what I am now by nature of my magic that thought fills me with joy. I am awed by your strength, your wit, your courage. Your heart. I have a sense now, I think, of how independent you are even by modern standards, and I admire that. You need no genie, nor even any ordinary servant. I wish to make you happy, whatever that might mean. And though it might be outside the bounds of my service, or inappropriate to my station, or... He shook his head, unsure of how to complete the thought. I love you, Morgan. She listened to him, her eyes beginning to shimmer and finally took hold of his shirt and tugged him close, leaning her head against his shoulder with a sniffle. His arms came around her. Oh God, I thought you were building toward letting me down easy for a second there. She half laughed and half sobbed. Was that what you wanted to hear? He asked. I wanted to hear the truth. That was it. Yeah. She sniffed again and wiped her eyes and looked up at him. Morgan grabbed the hair at the back of his head, pulling him in for a fierce kiss that she found difficult to maintain because she couldn't stop smiling. Her arms shook, and then she realized it was her whole body, and it wasn't from the cold. Thomas had taken care of that. He'd taken care of a lot of things. Thomas, I'm in love with you, too, she whispered in between her kisses. His embrace became more passionate, as did his lips. Before too long, Morgan had little trouble with her smiles anymore. She was happy, but his mouth on hers felt too good to disrupt with a grin. Morgan allowed herself to melt against him, feeling his body as he held her. Eventually she realized he was shaking a little, too. She wasn't the only one with lowered defenses. So, yeah, that's where I'm at, 
she managed as the moment cooled enough to speak again. He didn't release her, nor did she want him to. Thomas, I feel awful about you being the servant and me being the mistress and all that, and half of why I feel awful about it is because it just feels so fucking awesome. He shook his head gently. I entered into this condition knowing I would serve someone. My only condition was that it be someone worthy. That it is someone I also love seems much more than I could have hoped for. Love shouldn't be about servitude. I don't want you to have to be the servant. I want you to be my lover and my partner. That's what's actually important. It is what I am. He shrugged. I trust you. Treat me as you will. I know how you feel now. His lips came to her forehead. His warm embrace never wavered. This doesn't change anything for you? Morgan asked. I'm not a hypocrite for wanting a boyfriend and a genie. What about the whole jealousy thing? Don't I owe you as much loyalty as you owe me? He chuckled. You mean your fling? I never once thought there was any disloyalty in that. You have a fortune in magic now. In beauty. Why wouldn't you indulge? I hold you to no expectations. Yeah, but I don't want that, Thomas, she said. I want you to be my lover. My man. With all that means. I don't want you to wait for some sign from me to tell you to get cuddly or frisky. I want you to follow your own moods. Speak your mind. All that. Please don't treat me like I'm just your boss and sleeping with me is just a job perk. Thomas shook his head. I will not, he assured her. I will act as your lover and your servant. Trust me in this. It is what I am and it is what I want. Do you want other lovers? Not seriously, no. Morgan huffed. But you can't dangle candy in front of me like you have and not expect me to grab for it. So grab as much as you like. He shrugged. Morgan grinned at him mischievously. Sooner or later that shoe's gonna be on the other foot, you know. She warned. I am not interested in other men. Not what I mean. She laughed, swatting him on the shoulder. She pulled away from him just a little, holding his hands and looking at him. Part of me wants you to tear my clothes off right now, but I wanted to talk about other stuff. Our future. Us. And I wanted to do it before I lost my mind in bed with you. That and, well, I wanted to be here so we'd have something to distract ourselves with if this conversation didn't really go like this. Thoughtful of you. And I've wanted a real steak for weeks. Oh my god. She groaned. I thought over and over again about wishing one up, but I wasn't sure if you'd really know how to make one, so I figured I'd just treat you. My love is too kind. Thomas grinned. She grinned back. I like the sound of that. As do I. Thomas? Party of two? Called a voice. The hostess smiled from the door, clearly approving of the lovely couple and their stance. Regardless of Thomas's magical concealment, a pleasant sight was still a pleasant sight. Morgan wiped her eyes one last time and led him in by the hand. Come on, you. They strode through the restaurant to a quiet, candlelit table in a corner. Morgan was grateful for the natural shadows and noise control of her surroundings. She was also grateful, she had to admit, for the few admiring double-takes she and Thomas received on the way in. It was ego and it was petty and she knew it, but being so smoking hot that she was a walking distraction had so far been pretty awesome. Still, none of them made her feel as beautiful as Thomas did merely by looking at her. 
She noticed as they sat that he was far less fascinated by his surroundings now. He accepted his menu with a polite thank you, as did Morgan, but hardly gave it a glance. Everything was just scenery now. So don't let me tell you what to do here, Morgan said. But I'm telling you that you want the New York steak medium well. What I want has very little to do with eating food. Thomas grinned. She smiled and even blushed. It felt good that he could still do that to her. You say that, but you haven't had a good steak yet, Morgan taunted him. She didn't even really need to look at her menu, and couldn't be bothered with it just now anyway. She put it aside, making no further pretense of looking at it while she trembled with the excitement of the moment. That's what I mean, though, Morgan told him. I mean not right this second. I really want a nice romantic dinner with you. But I want you later, and I don't want you to just follow my lead. He turned his head curiously as he listened to her. You've still a lot to say, he observed. Yeah, I do. Thomas, I'm kind of a mess right now. I was a mess before you found me, and I mean even before the whole fight and I know I don't look it, but that kind of freaked me out, too. And I know I'm really good at hiding it. My family's a mess. I figure any day I don't get a call or an email from my mother is better than one when I do, and that's just sad. I worry about my father. I joined up with the army because I'm a believer, but the fact is it also just offered me a way out of the life I grew up with and I took it and never looked back. But the closer it got to time to getting out, the more scared I got of what might come next. Sometimes I think half the reason I stuck with the decision to get out was that I just refused to be afraid of leaving. He gave that little tilt of his head again. Are you sure you want to leave? Yeah. Morgan exclaimed. Thomas, I've had enough of the war and of living where someone else tells me and all that. I've done my bit for God and country. I'm done. But that's just another big batch of baggage, you know? I found out right before I deployed that my shit boyfriend was cheating on me, and I've still got to deal with that. I mean theoretically my stuff is all just in storage and he's supposedly been paying the rent on the apartment we leased together, but I know there's gonna be more of a mess from that. We aren't even talking anymore. It's a mess. I know it's a mess. And I've got to deal with it, but I just can't until I'm done with this whole hospital bullshit. And yeah, there's the war. All of it. Two deployments, and I felt really distant from my civilian friends after the first one. I still get nightmares, and after this last one I know they're only gonna be worse. They haven't crept up on me yet, and I'm sure that's because of you. Thomas nodded, reaching his hand out for hers. I know of what you speak. He told her. I had nightmares, too. Figured. Morgan swallowed. So I need time, Thomas. I need to get through the next couple of weeks where probably all I'd have to do is sit around thinking about all this bullshit and spin myself up. And then it'll be time to get out of the hospital, and out of the army soon after that, and I still have no idea what I want to do. You do realize, he ventured, that with me at your side, you don't necessarily have to do anything? You could simply enjoy your life? Your world? Me? Sooner or later... I gotta find something productive to do with myself, or it's a wasted life, she said. But for a little while? Maybe a couple of years? Yeah. That's exactly what I want, Thomas. 
I want to take selfish advantage of you and just have a good time and put some distance between myself and the last awful couple of years. He squeezed her hand. I think that would be good for me, too. You were basically on hold that whole time in the bottle, weren't you? Morgan asked. Didn't really have time to come to terms with everything you'd been through? Not much, no. Thomas shrugged. I would occasionally have brief moments of awareness, but then there would be clouds once more. The time passed swiftly. Had I actually been lucid in that bottle for almost a thousand years, I surely would have gone mad. Right. So, next couple years, we just focus on having a good time together. Deal? Only a fool would refuse. He smiled. So then all we need concern ourselves with is getting through the next few weeks until you are freed from your commitments? And your hospital stay? Yeah. That. That's the other thing I wanted to talk about. I've got something in mind, but I need your magic for that. There's something I want to do in that time. What might that be? You, Morgan said levelly, and held her amusement in check even though she wanted to burst out laughing at how he blinked in shock. Like I said, I don't want to dwell on things. I want to have a good time. I want you, Thomas. I don't want to do anything in that hospital bed other than make love with you. We gotta let the doctors and the orderlies do their little checkups and stuff, but past that? Her voice became serious. Hungry. Controlled, though with an undercurrent of passion. Thomas, I wish to make love with you for the next two weeks. I want to be sweet and gentle and dirty and rough and I want you to be every bit as possessive as you feel like being because I love it when you take charge of my body. You. He swallowed hard. You mean this? She gave a long, slow nod. Thomas, I want you to use your magic to keep our bodies hungry and ready so we can just go nuts. I want it all. I want to taste you. I want to wear slinky underwear and have you tear it off of me and fuck me like you won me in a tournament, over and over. And when we're done with this whole hospital business, I want you to make love with me every night from now on until I say otherwise. And I honestly hope I never do. His mouth wasn't quite on the floor, but he was every bit as awed by her demands as she'd hoped he might be. You would give me this? Us, Morgan told him. I'm giving this to us to share. That's how we're gonna start putting our baggage behind us. Silence stretched between them, though there seemed hardly any real distance at all. If anything, Thomas felt closer to her than ever. Hi, said a voice. I'm Susan, and I'll be your server tonight. Would you like to start with drinks or an appetizer, or are you ready to order? Thomas couldn't take his awestruck gaze off of Morgan. She just sat back and grinned. He's gonna need a glass of wine she said, and a New York steak. Medium rare. It was late when she led him by the hand through the hospital. He was staring, she knew, at her figure, her legs, and her ass and how the black dress flattered them all. She didn't mind. He loved her and respected her, and if along the way he also looked at her like a piece of meat, she could enjoy that very much, thank you. It wasn't as if she didn't feel exactly the same way. Morgan trembled with excitement as they came back to her room. The scenery was anything but sexy. It was hardly even hospitable. She knew her man could fix that. They rounded the doorway to her room, closing the door behind them with an enchantment to ensure that no one thought this odd. 
Morgan stopped a few feet past the doorway. Thomas slipped in beside her, his hands on her hips and roaming slowly upward as his lips came to her neck. Close your eyes, he whispered against her earlobe. She shivered as she obeyed. His lips felt good. His hands felt good. His body pressed up against hers from behind excited her, promising carnal thrills. You may now look, he said again, his mouth still close enough that the words seemed to touch her physically. She stood with him in a room of medieval luxury. There was a warm and active fireplace embedded in the furthest gray stone wall, with tapestries and candelabras adorning the other sides. Soft, thick fur rugs covered the floors. The bed was less than historically accurate, looking too luxurious and clean to be anything but a modern piece, but its strong wooden frame and the patterns of its sheets matched the setting just fine. Well, Morgan smiled. Is this an illusion? Or did you actually change the whole room? I believe the phrase you taught me was need-to-know information. Her lover taunted her. Hmm. I'll go along with that. You've set the alarm? I have. We will have plenty of warning to ready ourselves for any visitors. Until then. He kissed her neck further. Say it, she whispered. Until then, you are mine. Her smile shrank, but not because she was displeased. Her arousal had simply grown well beyond smiles. Perhaps Thomas was using his magic on her to make that happen, too, but Morgan doubted it and didn't want to know in any case. It felt too good to question. She trusted him, loved him, and had told him, explicitly, that she wanted him to be as possessive as he pleased tonight. It was only fair, given how possessive she felt in turn. Given the trust they had established, it also turned her on fiercely. Morgan slipped out of his grasp, turned and looked into his eyes. Her hands came to the shoulder straps of her dress. Thomas watched her as she slowly brought them down. He didn't smile, either, but Morgan could see in his eyes just how much he appreciated her beauty as she undressed for him, taunting him a bit by holding the dress to her breasts before letting it slip away. Morgan swayed slightly as she pushed the fabric the rest of the way down her hips to let it land in a pool at her feet. She stood before him in only her panties and heels. Morgan couldn't get enough of his gaze. Putting on a show was not one of her habits. Men had often told her they found her pretty, but she doubted herself nonetheless. Here her confidence soared as she turned for Thomas, stepping closer to him once more, touching his shirt and breathing heavily, Morgan said. Take the rest. She felt his arms come around her felt his hands slide down her bare back and then around her ass, groping and holding it freely as his mouth came down on hers. She whimpered and shivered again as she let him play with her dot he could tear her panties off, she thought, bend her over and take her right there, and she'd love it. No foreplay. No affection. Just intimacy and possession. She felt so aroused and so wet that she was ready for him to get right to it, and loved him dearly for the time he took in just enjoying her. When his fingers finally hooked into her panties and began to slowly slide them down, Morgan's heart began to beat harder than ever. His mouth left hers to trail kisses down her neck and her chest as he knelt. His lips came tantalizingly close to each of her nipples, bringing them to eager hardness, but never actually graced them with a lick or a kiss. Instead, his mouth crept ever downward to her groin and her bush. Make it however you like it, she whispered to him. 
Her hands came to his strong shoulders as he kissed the bones of her hips. There. Natural. I don't care. She looked down with curiosity, though, and smiled as his magic reshaped her bush to a thick strip of short, soft brown hair. She felt his tongue probe gently between her legs and saw his eyes look up at hers. Morgan shook her head. I won't stop you from that, she told him. But I don't want my turn yet if that's okay. I want that later. Right now I want yours. He grinned just a little, standing at her gesture. Morgan explored his body once more with her touch, starting with him fully clothed and continuing on as she unbuttoned his shirt. She couldn't help but smile, looking at his muscles and his faint scars. She liked this body a lot. More than once, Morgan leaned in for a kiss or a nibble. Morgan, Thomas murmured. Whatever more he would have said, though, was derailed as Morgan unfastened his belt and slipped it free. Shoes, she said. Socks. Off. She turned aside to grab a pillow off of the bed and drop it at Thomas's bare feet, and then guided his pants off in much the same way as he had shed her panties. She kept her face close to his skin the whole time, feeling not the least bit shy about caressing his erect cock with her cheek. She had grown quite fond of it. He watched breathlessly as Morgan sank to her knees in front of him, taking his cock in her hand and stroking its hard length indulgently. I have a wish for you, Thomas, she said, his eyes fluttered. Anything. I wish for us to taste wonderful to one another. Morgan smiled, her words coming out slowly and seductively. I wish for you to use your magic to make this comfortable for me. Pleasant. Use your imagination. I want you to make sure I like doing this so that I'll want to do it for you often. He opened his mouth to speak, but the sensation of her tongue gliding from the base to the tip as she watched his face robbed him of words. His hands ran through her hair as she teased him. Something to say? She teased. Are you sure? He asked. Yes, Morgan answered, still working him with one hand while the other softly enjoyed the feeling of his ass. I'd do it for you anyway but I'll be glad to have incentives. It was the last thing she said before her lips came to the head of his cock, kissed it reverently, and then slowly opened to take him into her mouth. She brought her face ever closer to his groin, enveloping more and more of his length without ever breaking eye contact. Thomas let out a long, odd breath. It was a moment or two before he could regain his sense of anything but pleasure. Morgan's mouth pulled back, releasing all but the tip from her kiss and lovingly rolled her tongue over the head a few times before she moved to take more of him into her mouth again. I thought you wanted me to be more possessive, he whispered. Not more possessed by you. Hmm? I do, she taunted, kissing his cock reverently. I am at your mercy here, Thomas confessed. Much more so than you are at mine. So remember it's the other way around, Morgan winked. And do what comes naturally. With that, she began to slowly devour him again. His head swam. His legs trembled. On her third such motion, Thomas remembered her wish. With her fourth descent on his cock he heard a moan of pleasure come from her, as Morgan found herself able to take his full length into her despite his size. Her hands now clutched at his ass. Her eyes fell shut. She thrilled to the ecstasy of having him fill her mouth enjoying a smooth and pleasuring magical sensation nearly as good as having him between her legs. 
Morgan felt his hands on her head, felt him push forward with his hips, and felt no discomfort or degradation at all. She felt only the desire for more, and followed it. Despite the burning need between her legs, Morgan happily continued on. It only aroused her more as Thomas began to let out long groans of satisfaction. They fell into an indulgent cycle together, bowed head and slowly thrusting hips building a blissful rhythm. She felt him tremble again and willingly took in as much of him as she could, all the way to the base of his tool with her nose pressed up against his groin until finally he could hold back no more. Morgan felt him release down her throat, thrilling to the sensation as he filled her and knowing that there was nothing natural about how good it all felt. Morgan, he moaned. I must have you. She released him from her mouth, but not from her hands. There would be much more of this. Hours of this. What? She teased. This doesn't count? No. With his hands still on her head, he gently guided her up, holding and turning her as gracefully as if they were dancing, until finally she faced away from him with his front pressed up against her back. Oh, she murmured. I see ah. She felt his cock tease the scorching wet lips between her legs, sliding across their length only once or twice before he bent her forward at the hips and back at the shoulders in a stretch that normally only looked good in pictures. The strain of her muscles felt good. The sensation of him penetrating her and making her his was as good as any climax she'd ever had. It only left her wondering how good her actual orgasms might be tonight. Morgan cried out in willing surrender as he took her slamming his hips up against her ass to drive into her pussy. Her last coherent thought was of how good it was to trust someone like this, to cede all her control knowing that it would all be returned eventually and at this point, the first Tuesday after never sounded like a good time to ask. Then her eyes rolled back into her head, and she couldn't think of her life or the war or anything more than the glorious fucking she was getting from the most amazing man she'd ever met. She felt him deep inside of her deeper than he could actually be going, again. With no discomfort or pain or anything but the desire for more. She gave no thought to time, knowing only that it went on and on until they finally built together to a climax that shook her so hard she cried out his name and then hung from his embrace, held up by his arms and the length of him inside her, with tears running down her face. Warm fluid ran down her legs, and down his as well. She loved it. She should have been sore, or at least too sensitive to go on, but true to her wish she was neither. She wanted more. Thomas. She whimpered doubt he turned her head to his, kissed her, and then brought her to the bed where she could relax as he went at her again. Morgan often cried out for more that night. After the second rutting, with his animal urges somewhat sated but his passion only further inflamed, Thomas laid Morgan onto her back and pushed into her again. Her legs spread out welcomingly, then wrapped around his hips, and her lips found his and kissed and chewed on them lustfully as they possessed one another. Somewhere along the way, Morgan's orgasms began to feel so good they left her weeping. She thought, briefly, that perhaps it was less about the sex and more about their love, but then Thomas kept fucking her, and it was several long hours before she could think so straight again. March, 2009 Joint Base Lewis McCord Washington. Actions are credited with saving the lives of several members of Staff Sergeant Carter's unit. The valor, tenacity, resourcefulness, and the high proficiency of skill demonstrated by Staff Sergeant Carter are in keeping with the highest traditions of the United States Army. 
The Silver Star and Purple Heart are hereby awarded. The men and women in the audience all around Frank Carter Rose applauded, but he found it difficult to do so. He needed to blow his nose, and thankfully his girlfriend, Lynn, had wisely held a tissue in her hand for just that eventuality. The big man gave up trying to look so tough in front of all of these soldiers and airmen. He'd done his own time in uniform, had put in twenty years on crab boats in Alaska after that, and his daughter had just won a combat medal and stood on the stage in one piece. He was entitled to a few tears. There were other awards that day. Plenty of other soldiers and airmen had been in scrapes as nasty as hers, if not nastier, but Frank wasn't so interested in those. He just held his girlfriend's hand, stared at his daughter there on the stage in her dress uniform, and waited patiently until he could finally slip through the crowd of men and women in uniform and their loved ones and wrap her up in his large arms for a hug that would, he intended, last well into next week. When the ceremony finally broke up, he did just that. He had to wait his turn, though, as by the time he'd gotten to her he found her in the arms of a tall black man with the gold birds of a colonel on his uniform. The man released Frank's tearful daughter on his approach, knowing the father when he saw one. Dad, Morgan told him, jumping into his arms. There was a tear or two on her face, too, but by now Frank was much more composed. Mr. Carter, the colonel said, holding out his hand when the moment was right. I'm Colonel Wallace, Morgan CO. It's a pleasure to meet you, sir. You too, Colonel, Frank said, happily shaking his hand. Morgan's told me a lot about you. We'll miss her a lot, Wallace told him. She's leaving some big shoes to fill. Thank you, sir, Morgan smiled. Bah, you're almost a civilian now. Don't call me sir. Call me Bill. And if there's anything I can do for you, just call me. He gave her a last nudge on the shoulder before excusing himself, wading into the crowd to greet more dependents and relatives. Hi, Lynn. Morgan said, looking past her father's shoulders to his patient girlfriend. Sorry I didn't um dash show, don't worry about it. Lynn waved dismissively. We're just glad you're home. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Morgan nodded, squeezing her dad one more time. Hey, there's someone I want you to meet. She needed only a moment to find Thomas standing nearby, dressed like all the other soldiers and having no trouble at all fooling everyone around him. This is Thomas she explained. My boyfriend. Oh, really? Frank chuckled. This is something you hadn't mentioned. Sorry, she offered as the two men shook hands. I just haven't really been sure how to explain everything until now. The End